This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everyone. Hope your COVID is going well. We are about in the two-month mark. I don't know how you guys are within your country or within your states. It seems like the world is starting to open up again. I'm kind of just watching from afar, seeing how the guinea pigs out there are upping or downticking our cases and death rates. I mean, it's a more way of looking at it, but the truth is we don't have any vaccines. There's no safe measures in place just yet. Uh, I'm always trying to look at it as what happens when I do to get it. And I don't feel like the system is there yet to, to guarantee it. At least on a personal level, waiting at least where antibody tests and COVID testing are more readily available for everybody. And not just taking it once, but on a bi-weekly basis. So as you can see, I'll probably be at home for quite a while. Another piece of news since the last time we talked, Unreal Engine 5 happened. Yeah, if you guys haven't checked out that demo, it's really impressive stuff. Super exciting. Uh, Technology is um, probably the first in my own eyes that I really got jazzed up about next gen. really shows how... Uh, what a quantum leap that looks like. So if you guys haven't checked out the demo, where have you been sleeping? It was quite the buzz the past week. And believe me, can't wait to talk to Ray about it in the next roundtable news. It's probably going to dominate that hour. Aside from that, GDUX is happening in a couple of weeks. Beginning from June 1st to the 3rd, we actually just released a presenter announcement. And so this is going to be the first GDEX that's going to be happening in quarantine. So be sure to check it out. Go to gdux.me, sign up. Hope to see you guys there. I mean, what else you guys are doing during that time? So what I'm going to do... Before we play this week's episode, I'm going to go ahead and play the teaser trailer so you can hear the audio, but I highly advise you to check out the video. There's a lot of visual components to it. Check out in the link description below for the links. In the meantime, it's a welcome return for Brad Hart. He's been on the podcast before. It's been a couple years, I believe, but Brad uh, is the CTO of Perforce. And if you haven't heard of Perforce, it is a version control software made for indie developers as well as AAA developers to stay connected and be productive. So uh, he graced us with his presence and his knowledge, especially in this time of the pandemic where more and more studios have to get up to terms with 
the way to stay remote and working from home and getting the IT infrastructure in place, this is what he and his company is dealing with predominantly. And we talk about how this can be a long-term impact for the industry with the pandemic kind of changing the ways we make games. It's a very interesting episode. So before I play that one, we will be playing the teaser trailer. So enjoy. The world has changed. Game development has changed. In 2019, GDUX was created as a platform to give a voice to all game developers. It is a virtual conference made by game devs for game devs. It was a groundbreaking idea. However, this year, everybody and their mom is throwing a virtual conference. But what sets GDUX apart from all these copycats is that we have presenters telling their story not just about their wins, but also highlighting their hardships to become successful. For three days straight, from June 1st to the 3rd, anybody with an internet connection can tune in to arm themselves with the best tools and advice to not only survive the industry, but thrive. We have speakers that will teach you how to survive long term and demystify marketing. Come and learn how to protect your own work and your brand. We review a case study from an indie game and understand the conceptual process behind it. Overall, look at the game industry and move forward with a business mindset and teach you how to navigate that world through the lens of an artist. We'll discuss important topics like the emerging market of user-generated content and what that means to us developers from a legal standpoint. Furthermore, take measure the tools that we have thus far and talk about how to move across different industries outside of games. We'll acknowledge how game development is evolving and how we can remove technical barriers to make games faster. But that's not all. We have amazing developers that will be streaming gameplay live and provide behind-the-scenes commentary of the development of these games, such as Sky, The Children of Light, Figment, Creed Valley, Anu, The Distant Light. Finally, to cap off the best virtual game conference ever, we'll be doing technical breakdowns of amazing personal art projects to get you to approach your projects with a bigger purpose. For your own well-being, I hope to see you there on June 1st. This is an official call for all game devs to report to gdux.me immediately. Blue Champs, over. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and this week I have a special guest. Uh, he's been on the show before, and I'm going to cue in uh, Brad Hart. How are you doing, Brad? Hear from you again. Good to hear from you, man. So uh, for people who haven't listened to the last episode, can you give them a quick reminder of who you are, where you're from, and where you're heading? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Brad Hart, I'm the uh, CTO at Perforce uh, with a specific focus on the Helix Core version control product, which a lot of you folks in the gaming industry are 
probably very familiar with. Uh, I also run the ALM uh, handsaw product, which is for project management and a lot of very popular in game space as well. And uh, now taking on a new product called Rebel, which is a Java accelerator uh, for people doing Java development. Um, backgrounds kind of always been in version control and large scale enterprise development uh, organizations. Um, started a company a number of years ago that was sold off to Microfocus in the same version control space. Used to actually compete against Perforce back in the day, uh, which is kind of fun to be here now. Um, but yeah, super excited to be back on the show and uh, talking to hopefully some of the people that are using our products every you know every day or hopefully will be at some point. Yeah, so uh, since the last time we talked, a lot has happened. I guess the last three months, <laughs> especially. No what what talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? What are, what are we doing at home all the time? Well, uh, I, what I like to kind of start off with with all our guests is kind of asking how the COVID nineteen has affected the business, your personal routine, and all that to kind of give an update out there of um, where you're coming from from your specific industry. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a, you know, I'm sure it's no different than what a lot of folks are dealing with. Um, for me personally, it's not a whole lot different. Uh, I te- I work on a remote location anyways. I live in New Hampshire and our, you know, corporate office is in Minneapolis and we, you know, development sites are in Alameda, California and uh, Wokenham, uh, uh, UK, et cetera. We have a number of different sites. So if I'm not on the road visiting customers or going to GDC, things like that, um, I'm typically working from home. So for me personally, the routine's pretty pretty normal for the company. It's definitely been a change. Um, you know, all of our teams, all, you know, finance, marketing, development, everybody's uh, made the shift to work in remote and we've handled it really well. I mean, I think we, we kind of got ahead of it a little bit. We kind of anticipated it. So we made sure our infrastructure was ready. And, um, you know, so the teams, you know, our development teams are, I think they're actually going faster than before. I think people, you know, they tend to, when they're home, uh, you almost tend to work more. I think the traditional uh, negative connotation of people working from home is that they're not going to work as much. They're going to hang out with their family and friends. They're going to goof off, whatever. But I think the reality is, um, and I'd like to get your opinion based on what you're hearing, is that people almost tend to work harder. They tend to work longer because work never really, there's no break point. So work never really stops, nights, weekends, et cetera. Um, So it's actually on our minds and the management team of how do we keep people from burning out? Right. Uh, how do we make sure they're taking the break of, you know, work versus life? I don't know. Are you hearing similar things or. Yeah, definitely. I think there is a correlation. Uh, I, and again, I think a lot of it comes from uh, training. I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of experience with remote working, but I, I feel mm-hmm. like uh, and I've been kind of doing it for the past year myself. Um, but before then, I was kind of doing a lot of side hustles and, and, and things mm-hmm. past my nine to five that helped train me into that position. And so the last time, uh, I mean, the, the few guests and the people that I know in the industry that are transitioning aside from their company kind of uh, uprooting their IT infrastructure to kind of get everyone set up. <laughs> We're talking about like huge companies with huge amount of individuals. Uh, that was a, certainly mm-hmm. a challenge. But people themselves... Uh, adding the component, the X factor that maybe even with me and you being experienced working from home and being efficient, the kids suddenly not having the rest of the school year to go to uh, is another level of working from home that I don't think anybody anticipated. So I think a lot of people are are sort of struggling even without these kind of barriers. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
but with it uh extraordinarily difficult um because they're being asked parents are being asked to be teachers as well now too which is another factor yeah no and it's tough i mean i know people uh certainly some of the folks that are on my teams where they you know like my case my wife isn't working right now because she works at a surgical center and uh she works with mostly elective surgery so that shut down so she's able to take care of the kids where where i know some of the people that are on my team they're both still working and their kids are home to your point uh, who watches them when who's teaching them and so there's a lot of uh the interesting side effect of it uh, been seeing people are sort of doing like a, a trade-off routine, right? Right. You get the first couple hours and I'll switch off. And, and what happens is it's funny. The, uh, I know my interaction and my workload has increased because of people doing that. The, the overall day gets longer because not everybody on my team is following the same schedule. So it's early morning till very late at night. You don't know who needs what, when. So it's, it's very different. Like you said, you're not really prepared for it. Me personally, to your point, I love that the fact that you said side hustle. I've always had a, a side hustle, right? Uh, especially when starting a small company, it was like money wasn't huge, right? So, you know, I was always taking on projects on the side and doing this and working on smaller companies and helping people out. So, uh, you know, the the late night hours, the weekends, the doing things remotely has just been second nature to me. But this is new. This is new with uh, families and the schedules. And it's it's uh, so, you know, as a company, too, we're trying to be very sensitive to that. Um, you know, my thing is in managing my teams is like you're going to get your stuff done when you get your stuff done. Right. We're just going to work together on the results and we're going to focus on what's important and making sure we're there to help our customers. Right. I mean, that's kind of part of what we've done, too, is really put a focus on. Um, especially in the gaming space, right? The, uh, you know, you're dealing with certainly with people in their day jobs in the larger companies, they're dealing with, you know, massive amounts of files and huge files and lots and lots of people. So, you know, we've been reaching out to our customers and, you know, kind of teaching them some best practices about sort of scaling out that infrastructure, moving some of that to the cloud, um, using our tools and products in the right way to help support people that are working remotely, right? So we, and we've got a lot of that coming in. People saying like, how do I take my 6,000 users and use your software to build our games uh, when we're all remote? And so we've been working with them very proactively. There's been a, a dramatic shift into that sort of mode for our, for our teams to support our customers. And it's, it's gone great. And fortunately, we're designed for that. Um, that's really some of the strengths of our software. Um, but it's, uh, it's really kind of come. I believe I, I lost you for a second there. Yeah, I got a little weird lag there. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll cut that out. No one will know. <laughs> let, let me see. Uh, I see. I hear your voice, but I'm not seeing your web. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Um, so kind of moving on to that, uh, I, I think you were somewhat prophetic the last time you were on talking about ha having – people source up to to perforce 10,000 companies is less impressive than having 10,000 people onto onto mm -hmm. perforce at the same time from the same company and that was almost a year ago yep. it, it was almost like crazy that you kind of <laughs> foresee this type of near future issue <laughs> for perforce that you've been warning everybody about and it is so much happening i mean the game industry themselves who are 
the hugest proponent for using Perforce for over two decades now, are are still mm-hmm. having a lot of issues just thinking at a different angle with everybody being remote. Uh, I can't imagine other industries at this point who are 10 steps behind uh, learning learning where they... I mean, how how's that uh, handling all that type of um, questions coming in at this time? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like you said, we, it's kind of been, you know, scale across the globe and thinking about remote teams and all that has kind of always been in our wheelhouse. So we, we design for it. Um, part of the vision that I've had with the product is that that's only going to increase and it's going to get more difficult as, you know, 4k, 8k, all that, you know, comes to fruition. It's not getting easier to work in these environments, right. With the size of the data. So we're, we're always trying to stay ahead of that curve and build that culture in our company to support those kinds of environments. And we have stuff in our roadmap um, that's going to, just take this all to a new level from a scalability perspective for people working remotely, working locally. It really doesn't matter to us. I want it to be ubiquitous. Where Wherever somebody's seat is on the globe, they should experience the same uh, performance and the same ability to do work uh, regardless of where they're located. So that's really driving the strategy on um, you know a lot of our products. So we're, we're well suited for it, uh, fortunately. So uh, aside from that, though, like... Um, as this was happening around the globe and, and finally hitting North America, I, I think about a, mount, a month delay. Uh, you guys are already set up for this type of situation. Were you even with the preparedness? Were you ready for the whole world to kind of plug in <laughs> and and kind of use the number one files file management system out there? I mean, I can't think of any other type of um, product out there that is allowing teams to kind of coordinate cooperate and work with each other at this scale. Uh, literally every company in the world right now is is needing this type of file management system f- to talk to right. each other, essentially, aside from, you know, video chatting all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's been, it's been uh, from an infrastructure perspective on our part, we were ready because we saw sort of the, it's kind of the mold that people were working in anyway. So, where you know you can use perf- like the Perforce products anywhere, but where we really shine, right? Where we really stand out is when there's some dimension of scale, right? Whether it's uh, you know lots of files, huge files, lots of products, lots of product variants, um, or you know lots of people working on it, or certainly teams distributed across the globe. So we, it's been always, it's just been part of our messaging, right? And part of our uh, enablement is to allow this sort of global spread of data um, and collaboration regardless. So a team in the UK can just as easily contribute uh, to the same set of code or assets that a team in California or Boston is, right? And there's literally no difference. There's no um, restrictions uh, that are, are slowing them down. And so it's just, it just really fit in line with how we work anyways. And, you know, we've been seeing the trends as well, where people are moving their uh, infrastructure using our platform, where traditionally, um, you know, certainly across all across the board 10 years ago and earlier, it was all local, right? So massive files, large servers, um, 
you know, all the people are working locally. And if per chance somebody uh, was to do something remote, it would have to be through some sort of VPN kind of situation or, you know, remote access, et cetera. Whereas we've seen some of our biggest customers are now looking to move and have already started moving a lot of their infrastructure of uh, Perforce into the cloud. They've already started that. And they're looking at and being very attentive to the different regions where they set up servers. And with our products, they're setting up the uh, the different replication technologies we have, again, so that somebody on this side of the, the globe, we don't want to have a positive experience and somebody on the other side of the globe to have a negative experience. So with our products and our replication capabilities, which we've been working with customers for years with, they replicate that data all across the globe. So it really doesn't matter where you are. Um, we're going to give that same sort of local-like experience, whether it's local hardware or it's in the cloud. It doesn't matter. We're sort of ubiquitous uh, with us. So that's kind of this situation is just sort of right in our wheelhouse for what we're what we're doing anyways. So we've been fortunate. And it's, and it's shown, too, the certainly with the gaming market, with people at home and uh, you know, some people aren't working, unfortunately, um, or even people that are working but can't go out to dinner or go bowling or go to the movies. Gaming, the demand is up, right? I'd love to get your your take on that. We're certainly seeing it. I know I'm personally, you know, me and my wife play like, you know, golf on the PS4 every night, right? After we put the kids to bed. I didn't, wasn't doing that before. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of a, an interesting, you know, trend. So our customers are, they're, they're under the wire. They've got to deliver software and you know games because they're seeing a lot of pressure to to produce content for people. Uh, what what have you seen there? No, I, I definitely agree. I think at first when people were anticipating how many were going to be at home and turning usually to, to entertainment to kind of ease the time suffering, <clears throat> basically, uh, a lot of people were kind of guessing that. They won't be spending as much money, but more like going towards freeware or uh, mobile games, you know, on on a cheaper side. Mm -hmm. But uh, data are in saying that people are spending more money uh, Mm -hmm. towards game industry stuff, um, which is great for us, um, for everybody, essentially, because there's only so many times I can lap in my backyard <laughs> very limited right. space before i have to go back in the house and do something and so uh and not knowing how long this will be people are saying summer or even this is 2020 basically um right a lot of people are adjusting to the new normal and everything uh something that you touched on a bit uh, that has been somewhat controversial and i just want to know your opinion on it uh, since it kind of correlates, you know, to your company, but also to the industry overall, has been data cap, right? That is a very new concept in the last year and a half, and more than ever, thankfully, recently, a lot of the internet companies have relaxed their measures on data cap, letting people actually spend yep. more time. Uh, how do you see that conversation returning after this kind of subset? Because that's a pretty insane thing to think that um, we should limit any of that. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, my my from a personal consumer perspective, I mean, I'm completely against that, right? Uh, and the data throttling and all that. Um, and I think it would be a, you know, to your point, it would be a horrible look 
in today's climate, you know, for them to be enforcing that and uh, trying to garner more dollars out of the consumers. Um, I think uh, it's interesting to see how that will play out uh, moving forward once we're kind of out of the out of the fray here, even if it's late this year or next year, or whatever, when things are back to whatever normal we're going to have. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think, uh, you know, I, I heard something like, you know, people, people were kind of talking at the beginning of all this, like, you know, you can learn a lot about your company or the people that you do business with, the people, the, the, restaurants, the stores, the, you know, your own employment, you're going to learn a lot about um, companies and people based on how they treat people during the situation. Right. Um, So I think the companies that are being, you know, empathetic towards, uh, you know, the situation where people are home, um, a lot of people aren't working, um, you know, and then how they deal with it now and how they, you know, how quickly do they kind of go back to business as normal and try to try to try to squeeze, right? I mean, everybody's in business to make money, but, um, you know, it's going to be, I think there's going to be a chance for some companies to sort of separate themselves based on their approach, right? Um, you're seeing it with the airline industries, right? Like, so, uh, you know, I fly Delta a lot and they kind of came out and basically just said, your status, whatever you had is good till 2021, right? Like, don't worry about it. Uh, Marriott did the same thing. So it's like some of these companies are, they're thinking about what the daily person's thinking about um, and what life's going to be like when they go back to normal. And um, it's just, it's just one example, right? So, um, you know, I know uh, my cell phone carrier, they're increasing the amount of free hotspot usage you can, you can use right now. I think those are good things to do. I mean, a little bit of good grace and goodwill, I think goes a long way. Um, Like to your point though, I I don't have a forecast on what they're going to do once once they can kind of start to leverage things again, it's going to be interesting, but I think it's an opportunity to sort of separate out uh, a company's mindset and their persona, you know, once, once things kind of loosen up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, after all this for sure, well, during this, I kind of am thinking like how much, how much they really need to kind of charge over just now that, you know, within a short amount of time, they could just like, oh, we'll forgive or forget all the data catches. Use all you want. It seems to be somewhat not as expensive as they were kind of making it out to be. Huh? Well, I mean, of course it's not. I mean, I don't know, like, so maybe I'm dating myself here, but back when, uh, when you used to have to, with cell phones, you used to have to pay for text messages, right? I remember it was like 10 cents a message and, you know, the, the, the funny reality was, so what your cell phones used to do is they would send a message to the tower every, you know, X number of seconds. And just to kind of always, you know, communicate and let the cell phone know where it is and all that jazz. Well, that message, the reason why your text messages were limited to a certain number of characters was because that was the size of the message that was being sent to the tower. So all they did to allow you to send text messages and charge you 10 cents a message was allow you to customize that message, right? So it wasn't costing them anything. These are messages that are already being sent. You're just allowed to change the content. So it was kind of a nice win-win for them for a while until everybody kind of got bullied into, you know, unlimited text messaging. But, uh, you know, to your point, was it costing them anything? I don't know. I don't I don't run those businesses, but it's a way to leverage money. And if they all kind of do it, then 
you know, it's, uh, I won't call it collusion, but if everybody's doing it, then they can all get away with it. But all it takes is, you know, it takes one company to, uh, kind of lead that, 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 that path of, no, we're going to charge a fair price for a fair product. And then it kind of, you know, kind of forces the other people to follow suit. Yeah. I mean, we definitely saw that when, when all the internet companies came together and say that, yeah, it was, it was definitely controversial because last year, if anything, I don't remember a single consumer agreeing to it. And it was kind of funny kind of seeing it get passed anyways. And um, right. it was disappointing. But if anything, uh, I, I think that conversation will be revis- revisited somehow uh, after all this. Uh, more people are, are, are seeing the usage of Internet and the democracy of it being pretty important. And um, sure. It'd be very, uh, very, among other things, a very interesting place to kind of pick up the mantle and talk about it again. Uh, You mentioned before, yeah, yeah. Um, You mentioned before about uh, helping these companies um, putting their data in the cloud server, right? So, being in the industry myself for for many years and dealing with big companies, that's like the biggest horrific thing to suggest to these guys because of. Right. IP protection and NDA. They just have this bad image about the cloud because once it's up there, that's free to grab for everybody. Uh, but now we're in a forced situation, not just about the cloud, but the idea of remote working is very new to these big companies, right? So I Absolutely. would love to kind of hear your insight about that. Well, you know, it's, it's funny too, because it's like, um, you know, people are realizing that, you know, you got people that have sort of old school mentalities, right? And, you know, years ago when I was first in the, you know, sort of the version control space back when in my clear case days, um, you know, nothing was ever even remotely possible with putting anything in the cloud, right? You, you barely, even if you were, you know, it was, it was painful getting two sites to work together. Like they wouldn't even allow VPN connection. You would have to, um, you know, to get direct access. A lot of times you would have to sort of remote shell in or, you know, use like a remote access software. So you weren't actually physically holding any of the data. You could just see it through a terminal window. Right. Um, And, you know, we started to see a transition uh, over time where things that are viewed as maybe less critical like issue tracking, right? Issue tracking all of a sudden, requirements management, project management, some of those things started to move towards the cloud because it was easy to administrate, et cetera, uh, and easier to share globally. Um, where, But where like the IP, the source code, the IP, certainly gaming, semiconductor, um, finance, government, you just, they were very slow to move to the cloud. But, um, you know, I think, situate like but even before the situation there were some forward thinkers even in these large companies traditionally that would have no zero uh leverage uh points to be able to go do anything in the cloud especially with the ip um there were leaders right we have customers that are very large in both of those markets that you would be surprised that are uh, uh, working with us to move all of their infrastructure in the cloud because a they see it is um, uh, 
you know, they see the obvious benefits of going to the cloud around not having to manage your own iron and VMs and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's the obvious benefit. There's the geographically distributed, uh, you know, a collaboration benefit, and you can set up multiple zones and all that, uh, which they don't have to deal with all that themselves. Right. And it's enabling people to work, you know, for all around the globe uh, and be able to tur turn up and down resources at the push of a button, being able to do, you know, uh, disaster recovery easier, et cetera. So they see the advantages and then you get some of these forward thinking leaders in these companies and they've been pushing this agenda. And it's an expensive, costly transition. Um, and that's what we're there for, to help, you know, reduce risk and make it easier. And so we've been working with some of these companies right along. Um, but now in this situation, you're seeing people forced into it. They're forced to look at it. How do we open this up? Uh, remote working has, in a lot of companies, kind of mentioned it earlier, has a pretty negative connotation in a lot of companies. Um, again, it's, you know, the, the thought process is if you're not, you know, holding hands with your neighbor, you're not going to be working hard. Um, you can't have teamwork. You can't uh, collaborate. But in the reality is, you know, as great as it is to, to sit next to the person, the, you know, the team of people that you work with, you can you can collaborate just fine. I mean, I've had people that uh, have started working for me uh, during this time uh, that I fully ramped that I talk to, I, you know, Slack, we do Zoom meetings. Uh, we still do team meetings with some of the folks uh, from the different offices where it's not just meetings we do happy hours every thursday night and it's a blast and it's kind of neat you get to see people's homes and you you know see their dog or their kids or their spouse pop in and it's 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 actually uh i think in some ways gotten us closer uh as a as a group of coworkers and i think through this environment um companies that were against both cloud and against remote work are forced to sort of see the light that it is not only okay, in some ways it can be very beneficial. Now they might not be uh, set up and enabled for it. And that's where, you know, they have to be able to you know, learn to use collaboration tools, Zoom, WebEx, et cetera. They have to, you know, maybe their VPNs are getting stressed and they're looking at alternate solutions and maybe less costly uh, open source solutions to be able to help with uh, sort of scale that out to their environment. We actually have some products that help with that as well in our portfolio. Um, so it's, it's, they're looking at things a different way. So IT ops, right? The CIOs of these companies are now being put in a position where it's not a choice. It's they have to find a way to make it happen. The question's going to be in my mind, um, it's kind of like the tide comes in and the tide's going to go back out. But it's, the question is, is how far is it going to go back out? And how much is going to be left behind? Right. So what's the permanent effect of this? Right. Uh, the, the working from home, you know, once this is over next year, we might have some CEOs that are going to still say this is no good. This is unacceptable. Everybody's got to get back 100 percent in the office because that's the way we work, which is Okay, that, that's fine. And then I think there's going to be some percentage, though, that are going to either uh, fully embrace, you know, the, the work remote thing, or they're going to certainly be more tolerant of, hey, you know, twice a week, people can work from home, you know, whatever, pick certain days, whatever. I, I, I think it's going to leave a permanent mark on the remote working. And I think it's going to be a very positive thing. I think people's work life balance, um, 
just stress of commuting, et cetera, I think it's going to leave a, a positive impact. And then the cloud thing, I think once that train starts running, it's it's not going to go back, right? Um, and so, you know, I know that the big three providers of the cloud, um, we work, we're partners with all of them, and they're all seeing, you know, tremendous upticks in, you know, in resource requests and all that as people are moving, you know, infrastructure into the cloud over the even the last two months. All right, guys, let's take a short break and have a word from our sponsors. This episode sponsored and brought to you by Core. Core is a new free game creation platform that lets you create, share, and play games using the power of Unreal Engine. With Core, no coding or art skills are required. You can get started making games right away using thousands of free, high-quality music, sound, and art assets. But if you like to get nerdy with, Core still lets you create your own game logic in Lua coding script and build your own levels and art with their easy to use tools. The best part is you don't need to worry about some of the hassle that normally goes into making games. Core takes care of the difficult stuff such as multiplayer networking. You can build games from scratch or remix and reimagine content shared by other creators. And you're ready to publish. Your game will go live instantly on the Core platform with the click of a button. You can go into the link description of this podcast and support it by clicking on the link and check out Core Games or go directly right now. Go to coregames.com and brace yourself for awesomeness. I am super impressed by this platform. Not only am I endorsing it right now, we are running a game jam with them for Game School Online. And you guys should definitely go check that out if you want to win some awesome prizes. I'm talking about some RTX 2070 NVIDIA cards for first place winners. This is something that you can team up with a partner and both win some RTX cards. When we do have placements for first, second, and third, where second and third, you get some awesome Amazon gift cards. So all you need to do is go over to beta.gameschoolonline.com and click on the core 101 course yes i have made a course for you guys so that you don't have to learn core on your own so with this lovely voice i will guide you through four weeks of content we're talking about 72 video tutorials to help you learn core and participate in the retro game jam that we have going on right now super exciting super fun i will be there with you with your partner and we have our discord server up so you won't feel alone and believe me as long as you finish there's a good chance you will win one of the prizes the cool thing is as i've mentioned before no coding is necessary no art creation outside of core is possible right everything's going to be done within core so the playing field is set equally and all of it is just opportunity and hard work so what else you're going to do for the next four weeks this is all going to be happening all throughout may we're quarantined we might as well use that time efficiently and upgrade your graphics card and have fun with the community again all the links are in the description of this podcast episode for both what core is as well as where to sign up for the game jam so go over there and check that out support the podcast support yourself help me help me help you now back to the episode yeah definitely i think the old ways of um game developers having a server room <laughs> yeah. where it's about to explode the studio it has to go i mean it just sounds so unsafe as is 
And uh, like you said, the many benefits of working in the cloud and geographically and the accessibility for, for, for developers around the world to work together. Um, and you're already touching on the point that I was going to ask you about, you know, what does it look like when things return to normal? Uh, what right. is the new normal? And I do agree with you how a percentage will see the benefits or at least have um, by that time adjusted to the benefits of remote work. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time believing that they're just going to blow up all that infrastructure that is set up for months right. <laughs> and return to right. old ways. So there's going to be some remnants of it for sure. Um, if right. not like an, a completely clear choice for the developer to either work on site or off site, but at least allowing a, a, a slight small percentage of the workforce to have that choice during the week or um, even better invite uh, and not having to relocate uh, out of country developers or out of location developers. That's a huge, that's a huge advantage to our industry for sure. Uh, because oh, that's absolutely. One, yeah, yeah. Good. but I, I think you're about to say it, but like the, the reason why we like remote working is that I like living in a certain area and not having to mm-hmm. move for my career, which I've done. And I'm pretty yeah. sure you've done many times. Uh, it gets very tiring to kind of uproot and, and get new friends essentially. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, you know, for me, it's, it's all about the right person. Right. And, uh, it doesn't matter where they are. Right. And, and if you can enable and attract the best talent you can, and that's how you win in today's world, right? You need the, the right people. You don't need the right volume of people. You need the right players. Um, and if you can get a players and support them, even if they're not all centrally located in one place. And again, there is tremendous benefit to having a team centrally located. There's a lot of, a lot of great stuff that happens, but if you have some knobs, you can turn, where there's certain people or certain groups of people that you can support because you need them and they're just not, they don't happen to be located where everybody else is. Or again, the, you know, people are working in the city and it takes them an hour and a half to get into work. And boy, I tell you one or two days a week where you don't have to do that and pull your hair out in the car. That's, that's a big win from a personal standpoint and a, you know, mental sanity standpoint. So I, I think just having more knobs that companies can turn to, kind of fine tune the way they work. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I always associate office politics with being in the office. <laughs> so having the ability <laughs> to work from home, I, I think it, it solves a lot of issues. I, I really do. It solves a lot of problems. Even the idea of crunch being like a, a always like a front page topic for the game industry in the past mm-hmm. few years. I feel a lot mm-hmm. of that can be eliminated by being at home. I mean, um, mm-hmm. just I, if not the uh, the transitional step for a healthier lifestyle, right? I, I would mm-hmm. much rather work more at home than actually in a different location and have to do that crazy commute that you were talking about. And I was reading a lot of these topics, right? People feeling that... Um, well, this we already know about uh, people who are experienced with remote working. You, you know, the day feels longer in terms of you getting more work done because essentially you are having a longer day. You're limiting about three hours, right? Going to right. and from the office and then that lunch period, uh, essentially, right. where you kind of step away from your desk. But um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I like the fact that everybody is kind of experiencing this from both the employer and employee uh, yep. mindset. And, and, and I think, if anything, there is going to be a conversation when there is a return to the office. Both have seen how this has worked. And I don't think people will be completely thumbs up okay with like, well, I mean, we've been doing this for six months. <laughs> what do you right. mean it hasn't been efficient? We're still here. You like us enough. There's got to yep. be some yep. some of this back and forth, right? Um, yeah, we, you know, we, we, you know, we just we tend to look at things based on results, right? So, you know, our development teams, we've got a schedule and we're shipping on time through, through all this. You know, our builds are all happening. You know, uh, I work with the sales teams. We're still hitting numbers. It's like the train keeps moving, right? And to, to your point, people are actually more productive, I think, because they're they're not working less, right? That, that commute time they get back, they're, they're actually working during that time and, and producing things. And it's actually tough to get them to shut off, right? It's a tough, it's a tough thing when you don't have to get in your car and go home to turn it off. So people are working a ton and, you know, sort of the, the distractions of the hallway conversations, which are perfectly fine and fun. You don't get any of that. Right. I work in my office and my wife and the kids are they're running. I mean, I'll go down and get coffee like six, seven times a day. But that's all I see them. I'm, I'm not having coworkers come by and talk and shoot the breeze, whatever, which is nice. I enjoy that. But. I'm cranking all day. And that's a, for me, it feels good. I like to be able to just constantly, once I'm in a mode, just keep pounding. Right. Especially if I'm writing code or something like that. I just want to, I just want to go. Yeah, totally. I think coworkers are fun. And if anything, we are seeing the aspect of being around people. We are social creatures. And so when this is all over, we're going to hug our friends more and enjoy that time for sure. But when it comes to work and we're being at work, you know, friends are, distractions we're trying to get through the day (laughs) how many times do i get up how many times do i really need to eat doritos right (laughs) i mean these are kind of breaks that we're taking throughout the day to kind of get through the day but when you're at home you're focusing you're trying to get the work done so that you have more time to yourself and it's a different type of uh, it's a different type of motivation for sure um Going back to what you were saying before, and there was a few points that you were saying um, that that really is resonating with a lot of people that even with myself, um, there there seems to be a lot more empathy now since all this is happening, where we're more, mm-hmm. uh, we're prefacing or even ending with conversations asking like, how are you doing and really meaning it this time. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, exactly. that's a very positive, <laughs> positive um, <laughs> perspective of this. Yeah. Um, aside from that, though, you were also talking about now that your 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 company yourself are helping a lot of these uh, major companies from major industries kind of get into the cloud and see the benefits and you know helping their force thinking and and, and kind of comforting them at the same time. Uh, what were the miss the common misconceptions about remote working that you were constantly having to maybe explain or or or, or, or that keeps being brought up with new customers that are totally squashed at this point? But like, what what are people coming to you and, and being resistant about it at first that you feel like keeps coming up? So, like within our company or with our customers, everyone, everywhere. Yeah. So I think. Well, so I think, uh, you know, the, 
there's a couple that falls in a couple buckets around the misconception. This is just from everything I'm hearing from different companies, from talking to customers, et cetera. It's kind of some of the things I touched on before too. Like, um, you know, we're, just, we're not going to be able to maintain a culture, right? Without having people sitting next to each other. Um, people aren't going to work as many hours. They're not going to be as productive because they're home and they're going to get distracted and, you know, their family's going to be there or, you know, the couch is looking awful good. Netflix happens to be available 24 hours a day. Um, you know, we're not going to have the infrastructure that we need so that they can be productive. You know, our VPN is going to get overloaded. We're not going to be able to give them access to the data, et cetera. And I think in large part, uh, those, you know, as we've seen with our customers, et cetera, uh, and even internally, those are, you know, really all been debunked. Um, the team collaboration is there. Uh, we, I think if anything, um, I know I have personally proactively tried to amp up my reach outs to people, um, to your point with the, uh, how you doing? And you really mean it. You really mean it. Right. Like, you know, I can remember back in my lifetime, you know, walking down the hall and, you know, you ask somebody, Hey, how you doing? And you're like, please don't actually answer that question. I really don't want to know how you're doing. I, I just try to be polite, man. But, uh, but now it's like, you really want to know, like, Hey, how are you hanging in there? Cause it can be stressful. And, um, I think the collaboration has been great. And, and again, this isn't like, 20, 30 years ago, right? We're very fortunate. Uh, it sounds weird to say that we're fortunate right now, but we're very fortunate with the infrastructure and the capabilities and the tools that we have to collaborate, right? Like like I said, the Slacks and the Zooms and the WebExes of the world, um, it's far more efficient than email for collaboration and you know the real-time talking and be able to see somebody throw something up on the board. Uh, you know, I, I was training a new uh, a new employee recently, and uh, I'm a big whiteboard guy when I'm trying to explain a concept. And I was trying to like kind of go through what the the development world looks like and how our you know Perforce Helix core product helps out large enterprises, et cetera. And I tend to do this a lot with a whiteboard training, and I don't have any materials or anything. I kind of just run through the concepts. I've always been like that. Um, and, you know, I found some tools online and with screen sharing and my tablet, it wasn't, you know, as good, but it worked, right? I would not have been able to do that 15 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, the, the concerns that people have going into this are valid, but they're valid from a previous timeline point of view. Um, the infrastructure is there, uh, with the, especially with the cloud services that we have, you know, for people to take their existing data room and uh, server room and start opening up ports and all that other stuff to give access to the outside world. That's risky. You know, you brought up security earlier in this conversation. That is so much easier to set up. Uh, Believe me, I've, I've written my own, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, IP chains, you know, rules and things on Linux servers to try to lock things down. And it's, you know, you got to do it right. And it's a pain, right? And you can make mistakes if you don't do it every day. Um, you know, with the cloud providers, right? It's all there. It's click point this. You're only going to allow this from these people, from these IP ranges. It's pretty darn easy to set up and to do it right and to keep your data secure. Um, so getting the infrastructure available, sharing access, allowing teams to collaborate, we we happen to be working in a, in a world where um, it's it's very easy to do that, and you know certainly our products at Perforce leverage 
the infrastructure that's out there to be able to then provide that sort of application layer for people to to do their job more efficiently. So I think a lot of that, um, th- those were really the four buckets where I, I saw the concerns going into it. Um, but it's really proved to be, you know, quite doable, quite doable. Is that similar to what you're, you've seen? Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. I, I think, um, I think with the with the training we've had, a lot of remote workers, and we kind of mentioned this before, um, a, a lot of people are. It, it t- there's a transitional period that we have to go through to kind of get used to it. You know, especially if you have a family and other people involved with, within the household, you got to set some house rules to kind of prepare yep. everybody. Uh, and for me personally, you know, I've been doing this for a year, but with the side hustle, that definitely helped. But now we're, we're going with core hours, right? Not everyone is asleep <laughs> during the, when the sun is out. So there's like a different, different type of aspect of it. And it took me about, I think, two months to finally get into the groove of things and, and set mm-hmm. some house rules that people abide to. And, and at the same time, having some flexibility within those house rules uh, to take away, uh, take advantage of the situations. So, you know, I am at home and you know, right. the kid wants to play a little, I can spare, you know, yeah. 30 minutes or 20 minutes or 20 minutes to 30 minutes to kind of throw the ball around. And not have I went, I went for a walk with my and the kids today. Right? Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I mean, normally I would not be able to do that. Right. So that's like an advantage and these kids are going to grow. And that was my lunchtime, right? I took a walk. And it was uh, half an hour and it was great. You know, that's not something I normally get a chance to do. And uh, that that gives me a lot more juice, you know, to keep cranking through the day. You know, and I had a question for you. I would love to know what you're hearing. Um, we know at least we've seen the demand. Right. And it makes sense. It's all logical. The demand from the you know, for the gaming industry is has certainly spiked during this time as people are home. What's so there's there's work to do. Right. There's, that was a good thing. Um, what's blocking them? You know, things like, you know, I've heard, uh, you know, certification of a game on one of like, you know, on a PS4 or whatever it's like, or the new PS5, is going to be difficult because there's some in-person stuff that has to happen. Like what along those lines is, you know, with this demand that's there, what's, what's, what's concerning, you know, the game development industry, what's getting in their way during this time? Well, the whole idea with remote working is definitely the first wall that everyone is hitting right now. Uh, I think when this first happened, there was a good month or two where uh, IT, as you can, we kind of discussed, you know, we're we're trying to set everyone up with computer. uh, the thing with, especially in AAA <clears throat> industry with senior developers, right? Unless you do a side mm-hmm. hustle, you don't have a really nice rig at home to kind of work on stuff. You kind of right. do your nine to five, you go home and then live your life, mm-hmm. which ideally should be the case, right? And be a happy, happy person. But a lot of developers, I say a large percentage on the senior and lead staff don't have a really nice setup at home. So that was the first mm-hmm. barrier into this. There was a huge delay. And at the same time, you know, you're, you're talking about companies. It's super expensive to kind of get this set up, especially with a team size more than sure. 200 people at a lot of these game companies. It's a nightmare scenario because most IT departments at these, even with 300 people, are like two people <laughs> who are just like covered in wires. It's just like those two guys or person that has to figure this right. out, right? And they have the 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 know-how. It's just, it's a lot to do. Um, and so I, I think we're finally, I think at the beginning of this month, I was hearing from companies and industry friends that they've finally passed that 
barrier mark. And now they're dealing mm-hmm. with essentially deadlines, right? And so this is yep. a phase. And I think we're still in that phase where, um, because at the same time, all the kids are at home now. Time management yep. uh, is, is a huge personal issue with a lot of these developers. And so what normally they would get done uh, and having like a, a core 68 hours of work, people are basically just getting three hours and it's not even straight, right? It's just sporadic. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's another factor in which is why we see a lot of uh, games that are not out yet delaying. And I'm seeing a cascade of delays okay. for big titles for this year. Uh, and then the different phases mm-hmm. that you were talking about getting certification. I mean, that's a whole new, it's a whole new way of thinking of things. Um, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure there are ways around it a way uh it's just a problem that needs to have a solution right it's just provoking people to think a different way to do it and it's kind of good it's kind of good to kind of think be forced to think of a solution uh during this period because it it allows more flexibility later um and uh, i think that was just simply not the case before um people had so many options to just go straight to the office and, and and figure this out and have meetings right uh, and on top okay. of that, I see a lot of companies, um, and I think it's a, a, a newbie mistake with a lot of companies do remote working. Uh, there's a total influx of uh, calendar invites on your scheduling now. Like everybody has to meet every second of the day <laughs> to make sure that we're we're good, right? And so these companies right, yeah. are having eight hours straight. I, I, I was listening. Um, I, I was knowing someone else from. Um, a different industry who's in like the kitchen appliance industry. She had like a six hour meeting scheduled for a day, not just separate meetings, one whole meeting for six hours, which is inhumane, right? Like who actually sits through and learns anything for six hours. Exactly. So like I, right now that's the phase that the game industry is at with a lot of these companies that are not set up or prepared for this. They are doing that new Mm -hmm. mistake of just meeting too much and not getting enough done. And just too too much uh, Sauron watching, which is understandably, you know, you you can get it where you you can uh, uh, you feel like management has to be hands on all the time. And how do you do that? You do it through right. meetings. But um, that's another part of it for sure. Uh, but like um, like I'm not, from what I've heard, like uh, you know, Naughty Dogs just finally uh postponed to to the date of july right the game was already done mm-hmm. right it was just in the testing phase mm-hmm. but they had the same same issue where we were at qa testing department uh normally they they don't like qa department to kind of have these consoles at home right so that was another yep. challenge on top of just being in-house where a lot of them were just not trusted <laughs> with the IP sure. to continue their job sure. to do the bug fixing, which in turn delays the developers actually fixing the bugs. Right. Yep. And so we're, we're seeing every phase being figured out right now for game development. And if the rumors are true, uh, this being until the end of summer, even late to next year, even when we return, it's going to be a different thing. Like people are not going to sit next to each other. Right. Um, right. Really. Uh, I think this whole cycle is going to eventually be figured out, but there are going to be delays in terms of the original deadlines. It would be silly to think that we're everyone's going to hit the same deadlines as before. 
without. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It makes sense. And, you know, to your point too, people are going to have to figure it out. Right. My, my thought process going into this whole situation was, you know, even thinking about our own company is this is an opportunity. It's, you know, it's a terrible situation, but it's an opportunity to carve a path and be a leader. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of these companies are going to figure it out and they're going to forge ahead and they're going to come out on top. Some people are going to, you know, cross their arms. They're not going to want to change the way they do things and they're going to struggle and potentially fail. Um, so it's, it's really, it's really going to be a test of leadership of these companies and the, 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 you know, all the employees and their, their management of, can they be creative? Can they find a new way? Right. With, you know, problem when, when problems occur that, that breeds the chance for, you know, ingenuity to come through and to find a unique way to attack a problem. And so to me, I, I, you know, I don't like the situation, but I like that opportunity, right. Because that, that's, that's more of a chance to, to sort of rise above. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these companies react and, you know, where they're at in a year. I completely agree. Small and big businesses, the one that are going to come out of this, uh, not over, only surviving, but thriving are the ones that are adopting a new method and evolving their business mm-hmm. to kind of work in this type of world. Because uh, for people who are mistaking this as just a seasonal flu, uh, I think it's a huge mistake for sure. It, it, it's completely, things have changed. All right. Things are very different. Right. And um there's going to be more gloves and, and face mask <laughs> than ever before, <laughs> at least in North America. Right. And uh, I, I have a hard time believing that any of these companies, if they don't, if they return back to their old ways, that they're going to not suffer in some way, uh, right. either through competition or through their own doing. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. So uh, another question I have in this time was, um, like what what kind of uh demand are you seeing from smaller <clears throat> smaller to mid-sized developers right so obviously the big fishes are very mm-hmm. uh in need right now but the small and medium size uh, I, I think in the opposite way they they've always been more uh perceptive of remote working have some oh, sure. infrastructure decided i would love to kind of hear your thoughts about that that size of the the industry yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's actually kind of, uh, it's a good point. So, I mean, one of the things that we've done is we've promoted our, uh, our Indie Studio Pack, which is uh, our Helix Core, which is a version control product, and our Handsoft product, which is for doing, you know, managing projects, large projects, agile projects, et cetera, uh, very popular with game companies. And we basically have a free version of uh, the combination of those two products that, you know, we've, we've, we've had it and we've been promoting it now and seen a lot of uptick uh, recently where people are saying, Hey, we're, you know, to your point, I don't have the community anymore. So my free time, I'm going to maybe work on a game with some other people that I know, or a couple of people I work with in previous lives, whatever. And we're not all co-located. So we have to do this remote. Um, you know, we need the tools and the infrastructure to do that. We have that. Um, and we, uh, you know, provide you know, sort of that starter pack for free to people, um, whether they're a small company or it's a, a handful of folks that are, are just getting going. Um, obviously, the hope for us is, you know, hey, it's great to help people. And then hopefully their, their product takes off and they become a, you know, a big paying customer. That's all great for us. Um, but, 
you know, to your point, that they're just for a lot of reasons, they're more inclined to do that. They don't have an office, right? If it's a side hustle or a you know, small company just getting off the ground, they don't, you know, have the money to go pay for an office space in the data room. They've got they're putting stuff in the cloud on Amazon or Azure or uh, you know, Google, you know, Google Cloud, and they're using whatever tools they can cobble together. So we want them, if they're gonna start down that road, don't use something that's free and inferior. Start using something that you can get for free, again, with a limited user base, but get the best product you can possibly use, right? The Perforce suite that we have. Um, and so we want to get people off on the right foot so they can get rolling. And it, again, natively supports you know, sort of this remote environment, uh, whether you're small or you're big. Um, so we've, we've, we've always had a lot of popularity there. And um, you know, a lot of times these folks like that as well because they're used to using our products during their day job. And then when they're, you know, at night, it's nice to use products that they're already familiar with that are integrated with the tools that they use. Um, so it just makes their sort of their their job easier. They can focus on, you know, their, their content creation, what they're trying to build uh, versus, you know, the setup of their infrastructure and all that jazz. So it's a it's a pretty nice uh, it's a pretty nice thing. That's what they've been doing. Fantastic. You're already starting this, but, um, oh, I think your image disappeared. Do you still hear me? Yeah, my, I can hear you. My, my video is broken. Oh, no worries. Well, I mean, it's, uh, my video is broken too. Oh my God. Everything's breaking. <laughs> the quarantine has gone. Right, forget the thing doesn't work. Forget it. Forget everything I said for the last hour. Forget everything. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it off with this, right? Everyone can look at my still image. Um, it was nice quarantining with you for the last hour of the podcast. I want to thank you, Brad, for, for coming on. I want to thank you for, for giving uh, sage advice to a lot of people out there who are looking at ways to kind of hit their deadlines and not any uh, without any further delay. Uh, this is the time where I actually hand the mic over to you to kind of shout out, give attention to, and you're already starting this, but and any last words before we end uh, to our listeners and viewers out there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just overall, just hang in there, right? Um, you know, I really uh, am a big believer in kind of what I mentioned is during these times, it's when you get creative, get innovative, right? Look for problems that you can try to solve. Um, you know, work with, uh, work with what you got, um, you know, use your time productively. And if you're working, uh, whether at your main company or your side company, um, we're, you know, our company is here to support the game development industry. It's always been a big part of what we do and we will continue to do so. Um, love the feedback that we get, uh, always looking for new challenges that we can help solve with, with you folks. So, um, you know, again, we, uh, we've enjoyed, you know, great partnerships with some of the, the biggest and smallest gaming companies in the world. And it's a, it's a great, uh, privilege for us to be able to supply them with, supply them with the, you know, the products and tools that they need to do their job. You know, we love what we do. We love what we create, but our job is not for us to be shiny. Our job is to enable, you know, your community to do the wonderful things that they're doing and to provide, uh, provide products that bring joy and for a lot of people. So it's uh, it's definitely a pleasure. It's been a joy to talk to you again. Um, this is always fun and I appreciate it. Well, on behalf of the Game Dev community, I want to thank you for what you guys are doing yourself, Brad, uh, and, and and enabling all these great entertainment that we're we're, we're enjoying during our quarantining time. Uh, 
Otherwise, we'll be just circling around our house and going crazy for sure. So enabling these developers to keep keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, keep them coming. Exactly, right? So I got five five points, so I need games. (laughs) I know, I know, right? Yeah, I'm definitely playing a lot more games more than ever during this period and and still feel productive and healthy. So uh, I want to thank you again, Brad, for coming on back onto the podcast and uh, spreading the love out there for for everybody that needs it, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, great, great talking to you. All right, man. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail future, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody